Modern medicine, Mr. McLeod, it does such a poor job of healing the body. We simply must improve the healing process. But how? Now, a man comes into my ER with severe brain trauma, multiple internal injuries, bone fracture, and he simply gets up and walks out. I must know more about this man. Welcome to Highlander Rewatch, the podcast where we watch every single episode of Highlander the series and discuss it in great detail. I'm one of your hosts, Keith. I'm Kyle. Eamon. And welcome to episode eight, Deadly Medicine. First aired on Saturday, November 21st, 1992. Uh, this episode was directed by Ray Austin, who directed Fippy, Fippy, Fifty episodes. <laughs> Fippy. Fippy. Fippy Lomstocking. Lomstocking. Oh my god. <laughs> directed 50 episodes, you say? Uh, 50 episodes of Zorro. That's, wow. a, lot. that's um, a lot. But I think something else that's interesting is there's another weird like interconnection here is the guy Philip John Taylor, who wrote episode 5, uh, Freefall, he also wrote for Zorro. So I oh. wonder if kind of that's how these two, sh- these two people got together. There are also lots of actors from Zorro in various episodes, yeah. like in Highlander and Zorro. So I yeah. guess... They pulled from the same pool. Maybe I don't. I don't know if that show was filmed in the Vancouver area. I mean, it's all set like in the desert. Yeah. Well, you guys must. You both watch Zorro. Yeah. I've never seen the show. I, I didn't. Know I remember it was loving it when show. I was a kid. Huh. That's all I remember. The new it's Adventures a, of Zorro. A vague yeah. sense of enjoying it. I loved it. Ray Austin also directed uh, episodes of Silk Stockings, which I've brought up a few times you on this show. <laughs> you have mentioned that before. <laughs> As well as Jag and Magnum P.I. Silk Stockings was a show that when I was a kid, I would watch to like get my jollies or whatever. Not to <laughs> sound creepy, but you know, this was pre-internet. Jay and Often. Silk Stockings. Anyway. Uh. He also directed, speaking of Jaying Off, he directed an episode of Jag. Oh, okay. Uh, so anyway, the guest star, the, the notable guest star in this episode is Joe uh, Pantoliano. Pantoliano. Joe Pantoliano. Joey Pants. Joey Pants. Uh, so I think most people would recognize him from like Memento, The Matrix. Yeah, Matrix Cipher. Uh, Sopranos. Yeah. He's Goonies? also. Goonies? I kept on yeah. waiting for him to just bust into Matrix related <laughs> things. Yeah. I know when I put the steak in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> he's also like, he's a, he's a big like stage actor too. Hmm. Like he's got a good stage career. So huh. he's, he's a. Good guy. Yeah, no, I mean, he, he, yeah, he's another one of those actors that's like in a ton of stuff. Uh, so the episode description from IMDb. On his way home from the grocery store, Duncan is the victim of a hit and run. He is rushed to the hospital in critical condition, but due to his remarkable recovery time, he's able to check himself out shortly after he arrives. This is noticed by a doctor who drugs and kidnaps Duncan so that he can experiment on him. Meanwhile, reporter Randy McFarland is hot on the trail of Duncan's disappearance. So... It starts with kind of like a it's dusk and there's a carjacking essentially going on. Like some toughs beat up some guy, take his car, 
And then as Duncan is exiting Molly's Deli. Molly's Gourmet Deli. Gourmet Deli. He gets run down by these carjackers as they're joyriding. One thing about these joyriders I want to say is after they beat the guy up and steal his car, as they're driving away, one of them shouts, Party! (laughs) Which is great. It really is a joyride. It is very joyful. So yeah, this opening is very strange uh, for two for me for two reasons. Again, story structure wise, because that's my jib jam. That uh, I guess this carjacking didn't need to really happen. It's not really integral, but I guess the writers figured why would someone do a hit and run if not to get away? Like right. Uh, so they came up with this idea, like oh maybe they're criminals, so that's why they're speeding. That's why they don't stop when they hit Duncan. That doesn't even matter. That he could have just been hit by a car. He it doesn't just matter been hit by a car. Yeah, it doesn't need to be hit and run. It could have just right. been hit by a car. Um, and the other they thing never come back. There are no, no consequences for these people. No, that's not important to the story. And the other thing that's a little weird is in the last episode, Mountain Men, it's revealed that Duncan has senses like a goddamn cat. And, like, he's all over the map. Like, he's tracking people that shouldn't be tracked. He's, he's like... But then he just drops, like, a banana and just gets plowed and his brains get, like, splattered He drops everywhere. a can, Keith. A can. Yeah, sorry. Uh, but, like, I don't know. It seems, like, a little out of character for Duncan to just get, like, like wiped out by a car. Yeah, he's completely blindsided. There is... He doesn't look both ways. Yeah, there is <laughs> no mitigating this disaster. At this point... He is rushed to the hospital and is severely injured. They reveal he's got brain damage. He's got broken bones. The whole thing is very ugly. Yeah, yeah. The doctor, Dr. Joey Pants, Dr. Wilder is like, I'm surprised he wasn't dead on arrival. Like, that's how surprised he is. Yeah. Duncan's still alive. He has, like, cerebral hemorrhaging. Like, it's bad news. So, meanwhile, our everyone's favorite reporter, McFarlane, is... <laughs> Randy. She is getting a promotion, sort of, that she's upset about. She's going to be the weekend anchor. Yeah, and like the, 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 she doesn't want this promotion. She wants to be like on the street, like getting stories. I'm, a, I'm not a reader, I'm an investigator. <laughs> <laughs> I like the, the executive is like, I guess, sexist and is like, you're, you're pretty. You're going to be on the screen, like saying, like, sports is next or whatever. Yeah, and, and he even says, you know how many girls or um, women <laughs> would kill for this position? Real slime ball. Oh, the Barbara Walters line is part of this conversation. Oh, yeah, so her, like, producer is like, don't you want to be an anchor? Like, how do you think Barbara Walters got her s- start? And she's like, speech therapy? it's like, fuck you, lady. Like, <laughs> this person was like a trailblazer that allowed you to have credibility in this field, and you're just like, fuck this person. We're looking out for you, Barbara. Yeah. You get you get short shrift in this episode, Babs. <laughs> so so a weird, uh, like, a little, like, inside joke, I think, in this this episode is when she leaves. I don't know if anyone noticed the poster on the wall that on, on, that's on the door. Uh, oh, yeah. Isn't there, like, a little girl on it or something? Uh, there's, a, there's a woman, and it says, you don't have to be Zorro to slash crime on Capitol Hill, which, of course, is funny because the director of this episode is yeah. a director of, like, a ton of Zorro episodes, but that's huh. a real ad. So I looked up the deal with that. So it's for the Block Watch, which wow. is for a Vancouver, like, Neighborhood Watch Association. So, like, Randy somehow hears about... I didn't catch this. She hears about 
the accident somehow. She's got a police scanner, yeah. okay. which is she used that in the the PTSD episode. Innocent man, yeah. Innocent that's man. how she finds out that they're taking or where they're taking uh, Buggy, Leo, Ding Dong. Buggy Ding Dong. And she's like, "This is the real story." Like she summons Jack, some guy that's just hanging around her. And she's like kind of defying orders to go off on her own and investigate this non-story. Like yeah. it is like she is like, there are things happening out there. It's like, no, it's a car crash. Like so she decides that there is a human interest story here. Like she's just a vulture at this point. Like she wants to go stick a camera in the face of a bunch of crying people. Yep. And that's like the story that like is calling her name that she needs to defy her role to go investigate. Meanwhile, so she's going to investigate this hit and run, but Duncan just kind of leaves. He Yeah, he's like he's on the he's on the gurney in the ER and everybody's like stumbling around him. And then another patient comes in, so everybody gets distracted. Yeah, they just drop what they're doing and they're like, "Oh, new thing." <laughs> they leave him completely unattended and he <laughs> wakes up and just jumps off the table and no one notices this critical patient. Well, first off, it's completely insane that at least one of these people wasn't staying with him yeah. if it was that bad. But then this brings me to a question just about immortal healing powers. There are more questions that will come up about this later. There's a lot of questions. Fa a fair number of them. How exactly does it work? Because there just comes a point where he's just like back and is able to move. And it seems like he's almost completely healed. Right. He's just a little stumbly. Yeah. So I'm not exactly sure. Is it almost like a binary thing? Like so much time passes and then all your wounds heal? Like you just jump ahead back to full? It's really weird. And <laughs> this this episode like tests that even further. Like I have some problems later on in the episode about this this factor. But this healing factor. Yeah, yes. <laughs> Weapon X. So he, he gets up and he and he does he does he check himself out, or does he just stumble out? I Apparently, he tells the receptionist that his brother is here to get him. And he leaves. And he fucks off. Yeah. And she's like, uh, the receptionist, we find out later, thought that he was like, oh, like his brother was here to get him. He's tall and sexy and like... Which... Because she's painted as, like, a big idiot. Well, she is a big idiot. <laughs> like, she is the worst in this episode. Like, first off, just no notion of, like, doctor-patient confidentiality or, like, right. privacy exists in this world. Nope. Like, everyone tells everyone everything. And then the, the trauma surgeon realizes, Cypher we're talking about here, realizes that Duncan is gone. Right. So he tries to figure out what happened by calling down to the morgue and the reception desk. Yep. The why the dialogue when he calls down to the morgue is completely absurd. <laughs> yeah, I have this written down too. He says, "Did we just send down a cold one?" And the guy responds, "No, it's been pretty dead down here." <laughs> it's like, oh. <laughs> yeah. So they have this kind of groan-inducing exchange. So in response. He then calls down to this receptionist who repeats this story we just heard about Duncan's brother checking him out. Did anyone hear, just in the background, because I've been listening to, like, real nitpicky shit, uh, one of the patients, he says, he's like, oh, we finished up with the patient. Have Dr. Steveson look at him. Steveson. <laughs> yes. And I was like, they got to say it again. My favorite town. Steveson from Steveson. Innocent Man. So I thought that was funny. Steveson. Steveson. Sorry. <laughs> 
So using this weird procedure of copying people's driver's licenses, this surgeon follows McLeod home. And just as he's about to arrive, like, stabs him with a hypodermic needle full of something sinister. Right. Yeah. And he kidnaps him. And he takes Duncan in his T-Bird. Meanwhile, uh, Randy is looking for Duncan at the hospital. And the hospital she's at is City Hospital. City Hospital. (laughs) And she's doing a story on the city's victims of violence. So, again, just kind of being a vulture. Yep. She's not like, there's no investigation. Like, there's no answer. She's just like, hey, has something terrible happened to you? Do you care if we monetize that for news purposes? (laughs) Also, she's recording, but she doesn't have a story yet. Yeah, she's constantly recording. She just has the camera in people's faces, and she's like, what's going on here? And, like, if she doesn't get the answer she wants, she's like, cut, this is bullshit. Yeah. So, at this point, we cut back to Duncan like tied to a table in some dark room somewhere. And it's the doctor, Joey Pants, Dr. Wilder. And he's got this like opera music playing. Do you know what this track is? I do. <laughs> so again, in a former life, I was a musicologist. And so this is uh, Wagner. It's uh, uh-huh. Tannhauser. Uh, which is an opera. And I was trying to figure out at first if this had anything to do with the opera itself, like the choice of this opera. I don't think so. It it really has to do with this the hero of Tannhauser, who's like a, a knight, and he ends up like falling in love with Venus, and he's like with her for a while, and there's like a singing. Like, I don't, I don't think any of the plot of the opera has anything to do with the plot of this episode. But what does have to do with it is Wagner. Uh, Wagner is notorious for being a big anti-Semite. Uh, and he's Hitler's favorite composer. And uh, I think Hitler was an anti-Semite, too. Uh, you think? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so anyway, I think that the whole point here is just drawing parallels between Dr. Wilder and Dr. Like, Joseph Mengele. Yeah. And no, like, he is, oh, he's just like. And he is like, he seems crazed with like finding like the perfect human and like doing these weird experiments. And yeah. Uh, so that's so, what's going on with the German music. So so Cypher, Dr. Mengele, has Duncan there to perform experiments on him. And the first experiment he does, he decides he needs to grab, like, a tissue sample uh, from Duncan's skin. Right. So well, he takes, like, a this tissue sample. It's takes, big. It's, like, the size of a dime. Yeah. Like, a oh, dime-sized uh, piece It looks of like a little piece of sushi. Here's the thing about this is that this is inconsistent with every other time Duncan has recovered from a wound. Like, this tissue sample heals by electricity. In, like... Two seconds. Yeah. It's like two seconds, and then literally lightning crackles, and his wound is gone. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why they decide to show it like that. Like, I mean, at first it makes you question. Like, wait, like when Duncan heals otherwise, like with big injuries, it's just like he have a bunch of like sparklers going off on his body. Uh, yeah, I wish they would just like when this show. This show is, I think, at its weakest when it tries to be too real with this thing. It's like them being immortal is a vehicle to tell interesting stories about the human condition. And it doesn't matter. Like the science, this, this is like verging into like midi-chlorian territory. It's like, let's explain how the force works. Cause no like, one was wondering. No one cares. Like it doesn't matter. It's a, it's a way to tell a story. This is, or an interesting way at least. Uh, and it's like them adding like these flare, like it's like they should just cut back, like cut away. He was injured. Cut back. It's healed. Yeah. It's like like the simplest effect. Like it's not even an effect. It's just editing. And it's like I get it. Like he healed. And you don't need to get into like I mean minutia, real world details of this because it doesn't matter. And it makes it 
like complicated and like hard to follow. And at bare minimum, there shouldn't have been lightning because <laughs> then it's just like every immortal who gets injured, their spot just gets blown up. Like good thing like Duncan didn't get has never been like punched in the face in public because he'll just be walking down the street with like lightning shooting out his eyeballs. Like <laughs> what? Yeah. What it, actually happens here? Well, the other thing that got me thinking on this track is the doctor has Duncan drugged with morphine. Like his healing, that has nothing to do with his healing. Oh, that's a good point. I didn't think like, about that. And he's re- incapac- incapacitated practically this entire episode. But I'm like, so the healing will work with him jumping off a gorge, but if he's drugged, it does nothing. But I, I, I mean, I don't know anything about biology, so <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, I think, this, I think this introduces something that is interesting, which is that it doesn't, like maybe toxins can't kill him, but they'll run their course. Like morphine will work on him. Like right. a drug being in your system isn't something you heal from. It's just something you pass. And I guess there's different levels of drugs. I mean, like that's just a toxin the same way alcohol, you could say, is... Sure. Uh, uh, something like, can Duncan get drunk? I would say yes. Well, we've seen, we have not seen that yet, but I know forecasting. We will see in the future. Big spoiler. In, in, yeah. <laughs> Shut your ears if you don't want to hear this. But in the future, Duncan will be drunk. <laughs> and that seems to work. So I think that that's fair to say. That, like, whatever their healing factor is, it doesn't interfere with chemicals and drugs moving their way through your body. So meanwhile, Tess is... Tess and Richie start looking for Duncan. And this is all touched off because the reporter comes to talk to them because she finds out that McLeod was the accident victim. Because, wait, the receptionist told her. Yeah, of course. Just, like, spills the beans that it's McLeod. And Richie's, like, completely unconcerned. He's like, ah, Mac knows how to take care of himself. Yeah, he's just out late. Which he does. Yeah, that's true. Like, even him being hit by a car is really not that threatening. No. Sure. So so Tess is, like, worried about Duncan, so she goes to the police station and talks to a new police personality or Sergeant character. Sergeant Harold. Sergeant Harold, right. And so Tess is, like, fucking pissed. She's like, why Why isn't anyone helping? Like, And he's like, there's nothing I can do. It hasn't been 48 hours, like, blah, blah, blah. And she's freaking out. Um, but And he just assumes, he's like, this happens all the time. He's like, he's men like, are men. Yep. And he's like, you know what that means? He just probably ran off with some... Like, oh, and he's like, he's like, believe me. He's like, I think you're beautiful. But he's like, maybe he just ran off with some, some He'd have lady. to be crazy. <laughs> yeah. Which, again, it's just another example of the show constantly having to tell you who is pretty and who isn't. Like, just verbally. There just needs to be constant verbal reminders. And that sh- some shitting on women. <laughs> yeah, that people are pretty. Yeah. <laughs> also, this cop is like a real asshole to both of them. Like, he's as mean as he can possibly be. To these people who are in legitimate distress. Yeah. At this point, they go to the hospital to try to look into it. But meanwhile, the reporter, again, who the whole time is being played, like, I feel like there's some kind of 1930s character who, like, comes in. It's like, I'm go reporter Miss McFarland. Like, that's, like, her character and the way she plays it. Like in the Hudsucker Proxy or something. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) The whole thing is, like, just kind of cartoonish. But then she says to the cameraman, Let's get his complete medical history. <laughs> and he just looks it up on the computer. Like, how does he have access yeah, to this? Yeah, he's just like, beep, boop, boop, boop. Oh, here's this complete stranger's co- total medical history available to everyone on the internet. Yeah. 
Uh, so she calls Dr. Wilder and she's like, I think you'd want to know about your patient. And it's that he has no medical records. And he's like, maybe he was really healthy, (laughs) (laughs) which I thought was pretty funny. And a completely reasonable thing to say. Um, so Randy's definitely like onto this sort of thing. Like she's definitely thinks all this is suspicious. Which it is not. It is not suspicious. She has no reason (laughs) to be suspicious. She's like, I just told this man about a medical miracle. And he was like, nah. It's and like, like yeah, you who are you? You, just, you? you yeah. didn't say anything. It's like, you just told this guy that this guy has no significant medical history? That why do you have access to his medical records? That's what he should have said. It's like, <laughs> what, what doctor's office did you physically break into to gain this information? You fell in. <laughs> like, <laughs> but Wilder is like completely flustered by this phone call. Like yeah. he's like really nervous about it, and and it it's like it seems like he's done this kind of thing before. Yeah, it gets revealed later that he has done this a number of times, but it seems like this is new for him. He's like, I don't know how to lie to people. I don't know what I'm going to say. Yeah. Uh, also, we haven't talked about the uh, the character Barbara yet. Right. So Barbara is. Uh, I don't know if she's a nurse or a doctor or what she is. She's and whatever she is. She seemingly she works with him and appears to kind of be his junior yeah. or subordinate in some way, um, whether she's a doctor or not. But she definitely has like a thing for Doctor Wilder. Yeah, and they say at some point like I'm hoping this relationship is more than just friendship. Uh, so anyway, she calls Doctor Wilder and she invites them, invites him to go out to a party at Clancy's. And I thought Clancy's was an interesting. Clancy Brown, Clancy like maybe a reference to Clancy Brown who played the Kurgan in the original Highlander movie. So I thought that was cool. So anyway, he doesn't. He's not good at parties or whatever, but he decides since he he likes Barbara too that he's gonna go. Before that though, he goes back to his basement dungeon to uh, <laughs> poke at McLeod some more. And I thought it was weird that he we- he still wears his doctor's coat in his secret underground dungeon base. Dungeon basement. <laughs> it's We're a very to protect like, his clothes. It's a very yeah. like sophisticated dungeon secret experiment layer. Duncan kind of gets the drop on Wilder at this point, and he kind of beats him up with these limp like mantis hands. <laughs> like I guess the the drugs still have. So he's kind of like slap fighting him, and he passes out, and he yeah. misses the date with Barbara. He wakes up because she she calls looking for Doctor Wilder. And meanwhile, Duncan escapes onto the streets of Seacouver. But Duncan's still, like, really drugged at this point. Like, yeah. he can't see straight or anything. And while he's stumbling around, also it's revealed Barbara has been helping Dr. Wilder hide patient records. She mentions this on this phone call for some reason. Right. And the thing that's especially absurd is she still likes him. But she threatens to report him to, like, some board of medical ethics or, like, board of inquiries. Which means, on some level, she suspects that he is exactly the creepy Dr. Mengele, like, (laughs) experimenter that he is. I mean, at the very least... But still like, but boy, would I love to see you. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, at the very least, that he's, like, tampering with medical records for some reason. Yeah. Dr. Wilder still wants to see Barbara, so he goes to meet her at the pier. Uh, which is right by Clancy's bar. She, I guess, threatens to to go to the the board. Right. And he's like, you won't be going anywhere. Uh, And she's like, why not? Because you'll be dead. Uh, So he stabs her with a scalpel, and she takes, like, a picture of him by accident. Yeah, she's holding a camera. I don't really get how this happens. She'd been taking pictures at the party, party. uh, and then, like, a photo goes off somehow while he's stabbing her. Meanwhile, Duncan is stumbling around the city, 
and he, it's like, passes like, out in a garbage. Pile. Yeah. Well, there's like a montage of his him stumbling around. At one point, he stumbles past an ambulance, <laughs> and I'm like, they didn't notice this guy like clearly in need of medical assistance stumble by. And I thought it would be funny. What if the ambulance picks him up and then takes him right back to Dr. Wilder? That would have been funny. Also of note, doc, Dr. Wilder is using McLeod's car at this point to drive around. Right. So somebody sees this car and now, sus- and as a result, the police suspect that he's the one who killed the nurse or doctor. Right, McLeod's the one that, yeah, murdered the nurse. And this Herald shows up at the antique store asking for Duncan. And that's how they figure out, oh, he's getting framed. Or whatever. So Tess and Duncan managed to meet up at like a cafe. Well, they only were able to meet there because uh, the police are watching the antique store and Richie's like, I'll take care of them. And so he crawls outside and he does like an Axel Foley sort of thing. I was, I was like, uh, the whole time I was just picturing the Beverly Hills cop theme and I was waiting for him to like stick bananas, bananas? in the <laughs> Like, especially because he said like, I'll take care of this. <laughs> yeah. So he puts like a piece of metal, like a metal shard under their tire so they can't follow Tess because when they try to, their tire pops. So when the tire pops... He like peeks out <laughs> That's right. from around. We got to put a clip of this online because it's ridiculous. And he just does this nod like, oh, yeah, I could get used to this. I don't know. Duncan now and Tess meet up. He gets up to speed that he's wanted for this murder and that he's been out for a few days. He doesn't really remember what happened to him. He's reading a newspaper. So Detective Duncan reads in the newspaper that... They think it was a robbery and all that was stolen was her camera. But he decides from this somehow that that must mean that it wasn't a robbery and somehow divines that the camera must have fallen like off this pier into the bay. It doesn't make any sense. I don't know why he goes to that conclusion. But then he just goes diving. Yeah, well, his he, response is just to spend, it's, I'm it's, sure, an inordinate amount of time underwater. It's the equivalent of like Batman solving one of the Riddler's riddles. Thing. It's like, what? This, <laughs> someone Russian's going to slip up on a banana peel and hurt themselves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't understand why his conclusion was they stole the camera. No, they didn't. It must have fallen. My conclusion would be they stole the camera because it had a picture on it that they wanted. Right. Like, that's why they killed her, because of the camera. That is the most rational conclusion. Ah, fuck. <laughs> but Duncan knows this stuff. He's been around a while. So he goes diving. Oh, and when he comes up with the camera, he goes, ta-da! <laughs> <laughs> And he's wearing a wetsuit. Yeah. So <laughs> they, they take it back to Sam, the same guy who helped them figure out the map in Freefall. So they go back to him. He is able to develop the film, even though it's covered in salt water somehow. So they develop the film, and they're like, we might be able to enhance. Duncan says this. We might be able to enhance this with a computer simulation. With the cease of simulation is amazing. Like, this is clearly from the era of TV where, like, computers were still magic, where cars get hacked and things like that. Yeah, everything, like, the computers they're using are more powerful than the computers we have today. Like, yeah. there are more, there's more information on that. Because at one point, I tried to Google exactly the questions they asked, like, how many letters use Omicron? Like, as the first, and I was like, yeah. I'll just Google that. Yeah. Uh, that doesn't work at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it worked on Star Trek because they could just ask the computer to it's do just, that yeah. and it would work. Yeah, the computers are magic. And this, yeah, this is a time in film and TV where 
the general public didn't really know too much about computers. And I think that's how they get away with it. It's like nobody really knew too much about it. So they were this like magical catch-all device. It's like, we'll yeah. just have the computer explain it. Like nobody could call bullshit on it because it's like, I don't know what computers can do. They're great. Like, Well, this computer is a good one. So they do this crazy like Photoshop enhancing thing. And Duncan's like, Tess is like, what's the computer doing? And he's like, it's guessing what the most probable form is and then basing the picture off of it. It's, it's like, what? That's not how that works at all. Yeah. Like, ah, what the most probable form is. So they end up seeing that it's a picture of a ring on someone's finger and it right. has the Greek letter Omicron, which is just, it's just an O. Like, it's not a special character, the Greek character. It's an O. So then that's like their starting point. Right. So they're able to somehow, using this, you know, plot coupon of computers <laughs> are for the second time for the second time now yeah this episode advances the plot with magic computers they are able to not only determine how many societies have the greek letter omicron in them but like how many then, then determine how many have it first determine that there's apparently only one yeah. And then get a list of that society's members. Right. There's 33 members in the city or 70, yeah. whatever it is. Like, And this, this is explained by just saying, I love software updates. Yep. And so at one point, they do show briefly a shot of the computer. <laughs> and I was curious what, the, what he was actually reading because he's like, yeah, I love these software updates. I'm like, what does this computer really fucking say? Uh, so I got a screen capture of it. I'll just read a little bit to Eamon and Kyle. Tell me what you guys think of this. Font changes stipulated in the config.sys take effect on boot up remain is in effect until altered by remain. Like this comments, comments, set print, set font is a portion of the program remain. It's like this fucking goes on. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just computer code gibberish. It's just a bunch of gobbledygook. Like <laughs> they couldn't even be bothered to like type up no, a they, screen. They could not be bothered to like actually even just type up what. Just get well. Who could have imagined? However many years later, three nerds would be <laughs> boring over this <laughs> and looking at frozen screens of the computer. That's probably fair. Yeah. <laughs> Good job, Keith. No problem. So at this point, she the the reporter is suspicious of the doctor in part because McLeod is involved. And she says, McLeod keeps cropping up in all my stories. And the cameraman goes, yeah, it might just be a coincidence. She's like, I don't believe in coincidences. So she thinks but, they're like in cahoots or something. It's unclear, but like this case is the ultimate coincidence. Like Duncan is only in the hospital because he's a victim of a completely random act of violence. And is completely randomly assigned to this doctor and that is what sets this whole thing in motion and then she randomly is listening to the police scanner randomly decides that it's time to have a bullshit human interest story about accident victims like the entire thing here is such like a feeble setup to begin with it's so random wow. the only reason duncan was involved in the rest of the stories is because they were related to the game like it was immortals being decapitated and that's why Duncan was involved in some way. This, he literally could have been anyone. Yep. And it's completely puzzling why she's so hung up on this non-story that just happens to bloom into something because of the power of computers. That's a good point. So anyway, she decides, that the doctor, when she like calls him out on this, like he's like, look, there's a perfectly credible explanation to all of this. If you would just follow me into my house, down my basement, 
I will tell you why people have gone missing. Like, and then she does it. She She's goes like, into the right. basement. It's like you do know that's where people get like basements equal places where people get murdered. Like, She's if this was a categories thing, it'd be like <laughs> places where people get murdered that start with B. Basements. Like, well, also she suspects him of foul play. Like, yeah, and she's just like, oh well, people know I'm here. <laughs> She's got a little something called Moxie. Maybe, mm. maybe you've heard of it. Uh, yeah, so yeah. meanwhile, Tess and Tess and Mac are also trying to figure this out. Unfortunately, Duncan doesn't remember where the house was because of all the drugs and whatnot. Ah. So once again, this receptionist, like there are two things that move the plot forward in this episode, the dumb receptionist and computers. So <laughs> she goes up to the, so Tess goes up to the, the, receptionist is like, oh, I'm an old friend of Dr. Mengele. Like, can you, <laughs> is he here? She's like, no, he's probably still at home. And then she goes, she goes to leave and goes like, ah, oh, I'm just here on a layover and I left my address book in my luggage. Can you just give me his address? And she's like, okay. <laughs> and she has it like right there. And she's like, here you go. And, and what's the address? 421 Highland Ave. Ooh. In a show that's called Highlander. They're like, let's have the street be Highland. It's like, fuck you. Like, Highland. <laughs> it's, er, it's so lazy. Uh, it could have just been any f- dumb Maple Street. Doesn't matter. One, um, two, three, four, Immortal Drive. Yeah. <laughs> McLeod Way. Honestly, I would have preferred 1122 Boogie Boogie Avenue. No, that would be good. To Highland Ave. <laughs> <laughs> So he's now going to operate on the reporter just because he needs more test subjects, not because she's special in any way. And as she's trying to pass out from the morphine, she's like, you're trying to muzzle the press. I've got First Amendment rights. (laughs) And it's like, he's trying to kill you, not like silence you. Oh, I was kind of curious. Is the experiment he's doing on her a result of the experiment he did on Duncan? Interesting. Like, did he succeed in whatever he did with Duncan? Yeah, because that it could heal. Like, and then no, he, I don't know. <laughs> I'm willing to say no. There's no indication that he had any kind of revelation. I guess not, but I don't well, know. Say that one person one day wounds like these will be healed from your own body. Right? Do you he think he's like? That. I don't know. He, but he's just a crazy guy. Who oh, he's wants insane. To like... Although that that this whole thing did give me pause to think about. It's like, well, if he did succeed with Duncan, or even if he didn't. Did this ever make Duncan think, hey, wait a minute. Like, can I help mankind with my DNA? Or something? Like, that's a good well, question. I think that's the genesis of this whole episode. Somebody but Duncan, paused. Duncan doesn't have to. Duncan never questions that himself. This doctor is like an insane person who's like, I'm going to do like illegal experiments on you, unauthorized experiments. In reality, should Duncan at some point have to come to terms with like, or, I can, any, I can, or any immortal? Or any immortal. Like, I could sacrifice myself in a way. To help everybody, like yeah, because he is a legitimate medical phenomenon. Yeah, hmm. so I mean, I think that's how this started. Is somebody thinking, oh, is there a way that immortality can be harnessed for medical reasons? And that's what gave us this episode, probably. So Duncan shows up at Wilder's place. Ready he, sa- to- he comes and saves the day. He tells Tess to stay outside. He's like, I'm going to take care of this. He attacks Wilder. Promptly gets acid thrown in his face. Yeah, well, gets- like, Duncan, immediately when he gets down there, he gets into fisticuffs with Wilder. He throws Wilder into, like, the gurney that 
Randy's on and like knocks <laughs> her over. over. It just looks like he throws him right into her. And I'm like, geez, <laughs> Duncan. Like really dangerous. Because that gurney's gotta be a solid four feet up and she's drugged, so she can't yeah. like so stop her face she from bashing been, into his cement floors. She could have been killed. Also, Duncan <laughs> fights this guy twice. And he doesn't fare too well either time. Nope. I'm like, this could be I, one of his most uh, dangerous adversaries against this yeah. nerd. Like, like this Wilder is- fucks Duncan up in this fight. Like, <laughs> he he's struggling the whole time. And I'm like, science bitches. You've been you've been fighting immortals who are fighting experts, and you've been in like numerous wars. This guy's supposed to be on top of his shit, but I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. But then he, like, gets acid in the face and immediately has, like, kaleidoscope vision. <laughs> right. Uh, so, anyway, so Randy falls to the ground. Duncan has acid in his face. Luckily, Tess comes in to save the day. She decides not to stay outside. She comes in. Uh, she, like, basically just takes, like, the IV drip bag and, like, pushes it against Wilder. <laughs> just, like, takes him out. Then Duncan grabs him and throws him across the room. Uh, Wilder ends up, like, impaling himself on, a, a like, a scalpel. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, anyway, he's lying on the floor motionless and duncan grabs randy and tess is there like to escape and tess is like looking like what do we do with wilder and duncan's just like leave him like and it's like is he dead like i don't know if he's dead at this point well also like uh, something happened like something sparked and a fire oh and a fire there's a fire starting in the basement so they have to get out of there yeah so time is of the essence but yeah the, the big point is that duncan is just like fucking leave him like yep uh and again that's another one of those weird moral choices that i feel like in future episodes maybe wilder doesn't die i don't know i'm not sure entirely sure wilder is dead at that point but i feel like i thought we were supposed to think he was dead i guess Uh, they really zoom in on it they show like a bright scalpel why call it why call out leave him like i don't know just like he's already dead like they should have just shown it and they should have just gone. It yeah, shouldn't exactly. have been a decision. Like, yeah. Because uh, if, if they just showed it and didn't call out, like, leave him, you would just be like, oh, he's dead and they flee. But when Duncan says, like, leave him, it's like, well, maybe he's not. Like, you're consciously deciding to, like, let this person be down here. I don't know. I think it's a little weird for Duncan's, like, moral compass to just be like, yeah, fuck it. Like, yeah. <laughs> Agreed. So then they're uh, upstairs on the, the, the porch and the police arrive. Randy's on a stretcher. And they're asking her questions about what happened. She doesn't really remember. She's like, I think I just slept through the biggest story of my life. Yeah. So, yeah. So Duncan's involved in this. And then, like, he just walks off with Tess and the detective's like, so we'll get a full statement from you later, right? And he's like, yeah. Like, it's like, again, nobody asks him questions at all. Nope. And it's a it's a weird, like, line this show toes between, like, they want to have it very realistic. Like, hey, let's have the cops investigate a murder. Let's have a reporter investigate Duncan. But then when they do it, like they do it in the most like hackneyed and like improbable way possible. It's like, how about the police just they'll investigate Duncan, but not ask him questions. Like, I feel like if they want to have that involved, they need to like go all the way. And I'm very glad that they kind of do away with a lot of that stuff later. Yeah, it's it just doesn't work. It doesn't matter. None of it matters. Even this whole story doesn't matter. I feel like this whole notion of let's investigate the more like, hey, like. Like you said, they're a medical phenomenon. So let's have a doctor like try to exploit. It's like who cares? It's like that's not the stories that this show tells. Like this show excels when it's about like the human experience. You know what I mean? Like, and that's what their immortality's about. It's not about like oh, it's all sciencey, and it's like let's like let's cut them up and like figure out how it works. It's like it doesn't matter how it works, like or any sort of real world. St- I don't know. That's my take on it. I I don't like when they apply like real world stuff to this. 
I think a more interesting take on this would be either another immortal or a di- like a, a mortal who knows about immortals or maybe even if we're in a later season watchers who are mortals who observe mm-hmm. immortals maybe has a loved one who's dying of something Uh-oh. who who maybe wants to capture Kyle, an immortal are you, are you, to are you about to write another an, again another better episode than the show has produced and spent thousands of dollars on <laughs> I'm just saying like <laughs> that's someone, a good idea someone with like a t- like there being actual stakes like an actual ill person not just like a cartoonishly wicked per- like doctor just yeah. there's real stakes there's an actual person there whose life might be in jeopardy and someone who thinks that maybe by exploiting Duncan or another immortal they can save a loved one that sounds like a good episode and then I want to watch it yeah. So then Duncan has to decide, like, that he wants to help this person, but now he's got to deal with, you know, this misguided person who's not really evil. They're just desperate to save a loved one, and it goes from there. Man, that's good. <laughs> so maybe, so, like, I think there's something to the, the, the core question here, which is the core question of can immortal biology help others? There's something interesting that could be born of that. Yeah. Well, I think, I think the core question is not can, can immortal biology help each other it's do you exploit another person to help someone else like that's i think that's right. like that's a human question that's when the show gets into like gr- those great moral issues where it's like i don't know the fact that he's just like a superhero doesn't matter like you know right. like, it's like he's just experiment he could be any zero superpowered guy yeah and it's like this whole story just has to do with like we captured a superhero let's experiment on him mm. it's like it doesn't ask like the questions about experimentation and like exploitation and those sort of things, like the greater good, like do the ends justify the means, like all those things are core moral issues that aren't addressed in this episode, but could have been and just weren't. Yep. Ah, respect. <laughs> <laughs> so when when yeah, there, any other thoughts on this episode? I had one thing when so when they're when Duncan and Tessa are leaving, like Duncan says, <laughs> I tried to get this from the subtitles on the episode. So Keith, you have the script. I don't know if you have this, but he's like, yeah, this happened all because I was going to. And then I was like, it does, does he say all because I was going to Cookie Town? C- cook you Italian. <laughs> cook you Italian. <laughs> like, I swear. I, I like thought he said like all because town. I was going to Cookie Town. <laughs> I was like, what? And the subtitles on the episode on Hulu, it just says all because I was going to inaudible. <laughs> <laughs> but cook you Italian makes sense. And then Tess says you have a long memory, even though that just happened like a couple days ago. <laughs> and he was <laughs> leaving Molly's Gourmet Deli. Uh, which I looked up on Yelp. It's uh, sadly closed. Aww. It was a real place. Uh, and then he's like, I have to. And then they kiss. And that's it. The end. The end. Well, I just think that <laughs> when we look at this episode, it's another one of those. You kind of appreciate what could be with it. And again, I think there's a central core of a question that's thought provoking. And we should appreciate it for that. Because some episodes that aren't great don't have that kernel Yeah. either. So... You know, we should tip our hats to that and, you know, look forward to the next batch of episodes. I cannot wait till we get into the next batch. I can't wait till we get to the... Oh, man. There's some really good ones that are going to happen, and oh, it's going to be great. This whole show gets really good. Uh, third season. Can't wait. Good times. Yep. Yeah, so make sure to follow us. If you haven't subscribed on iTunes or Stitcher, make sure you subscribe. Uh, our new episodes come out every Tuesday. Uh, make sure you follow Eamon. It's Eamon B. Doc on Instagram and Twitter. That's E-A-M-O-N-B-D-O-C uh, on Twitter and Instagram. 
Um, also, make sure to rate us on iTunes and tell your friends all about us. That's the only way we kind of can grow this show. Um, we don't have like advertisers or anything like that yet. Um, also, make sure to like uh, contribute to the show. If you have any thoughts on the, these episodes that we've covered, um, just write in. It's HighlanderRewatched at gmail.com. Um, and if you like us on Facebook, all our info is on there. Um, so yeah, contribute. And if uh, you've got something kind of different to say that we haven't covered, we're going to read it on the air. Um, I think that's about it, guys. So, uh, yeah, these have been uh, your rewatchers. I'm Keith. I'm Kyle. Eamon. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye. <laughs> McLeod. <laughs>